Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2023 Vice President of Marketing and Communications. Missing out on the fun today is my co-host, Stephanie Hubka, the 2023 Vice President of Membership and Outreach. And we also have Helena Hodges, Vice President of Finance and Operations, as our producer. Now, for this episode, we are interviewing Farzana Nayani. Welcome, Farzana. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. Now, before we get into the topic of the power of employee resource groups, share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. Absolutely. It's so great to be here and to meet everyone. My name is Farzana Nayani. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I've been doing DEI consulting work for over 20 years. I'm based in Los Angeles. And uh, kind of an interesting fun fact, I have a multi-ethnic background my mother's from the Philippines and my father's from Pakistan with roots in India. Uh, so I was involved and in, in very interested in cross-cultural topics and naturally DEI. And uh, that kind of paved the way to where I am now. Nice. Well, I love that you are specializing and have written a book on employee resource groups. Now for those, I've actually come across organizations in 2023 that do not have employee resource groups. So can we level set and define what an employee resource group is for those that may not have heard of them before? Yes. Employee resource groups are groups based on demographic. They form around a person's identity. They're often a community space that can belong within organizations. I do a lot of different uh, work with consulting with different corporations, higher education institutions, nonprofits, and even school districts. And lo and behold, there are versions of employee resource groups at all of these different types of institutions and organizations. So you might hear them called BRGs or business resource groups, and they have more of a business focus. You might hear them be named networks, affinity groups, or even, um, you know, uh, anything to do with a, a community. So those different terms all indicate this collective around identity. And the most common word or, or description of them uh, being employee resource groups centers the employee and really helps folks come together around, usually it's a marginalized identity with the hopes and, and uh, aim to support people from those underrepresented groups in the workplace. Nice. So some folks listening or watching may already be a part of an employee resource group and not even realize that that's what it is. Absolutely. There can be, (laughs) absolutely. There are employee resource groups for uh, folks based on gender, race. So you could be a part of the women's employee resource group or the black affinity group or the Asian American network. Um, It could be also based on neurodiversity, ability, disability, uh, if you're a veteran as well. And the list goes on. So, you know, folks can be a part of the Latine, Latinx, Hispanic group. And, uh, you know, you can be a part of more than one, too, I should mention. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you're a young professional and you happen to be Asian American Pacific Islander, you can join both of those, for example. Yeah, I love that. Now, before we get into maybe how to build them, how to manage them, can you talk a little bit about like at the macro level, what are the benefits to the organization 
And at the micro level, what are some of the benefits to the individual? Yes, absolutely. So let me start with uh, actually how it can support employees. So if you're an employee that joins an organization, maybe you come from a different city and you enter the workplace and, you know, immediately you're looking for someone who's like-minded or maybe has some similar experiences. And you can have that in your department. But another way to engage in that, if, if you're even uh, from the area, is to find an employee resource group and to join that community and to be a part of that network. And most of the time, it can help support a certain cause. So you can be involved with a um, you know different community cause, or it can be a place where you can grow your career and develop skills, whether it be public speaking or project management or even uh, networking. Uh, and and that's sort of the kind of the immediate. And a lot of the time, folks focus on you know the social aspect or 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 the fun of it, but. In addition to that, there could be some real organizational objectives and outcomes that can come forth from the ERGs. And for the, for the company itself, it can really help foster engagement, talent development. It can help with uh, retention. And especially for folks in talent management and HR and talent development, it can be a place where training and development can occur. You can learn from folks as to what their needs are. You can disseminate information. You can uh, have uh, people be involved with employee initiatives, spreading the word about maybe open enrollments happening. So let's, you know, tell folks who are in the ERGs to stir up that um, interest and and engagement. And ultimately, there can be business objectives, too, uh, that are tied to the ERGs. Hopefully they are because we want them to be sustainable. So it could be that you want to reach a certain market and then the demographic of that group can help inform that. So an example I can give is uh, with AT&T, they have really strong employee resource groups over there. And I remember they were piloting and um, marketing and outreaching about a new product they had. And they were in particular looking at the Latin, Latinx, uh, Latino, Latina, Hispanic community. And I remember that they did an event and um, shared this mobile device and, and this new way of billing um, with, the, with the group. And they had people from the community participate in, in that. The ERG helped actually put it together and people could physically touch the device. They, were, they had raffles and it was just a great engagement um, mechanism to get in touch with the, the actual product. So from a business side, sometimes you don't think about how it can be uh, a way to stir engagement, but it really can. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and as you were talking, I, I've heard of some, which I think are, are maybe some common myths when it comes to uh, ERGs. What are some that you have run across? Oh, some myths are that they are uh, a waste of time. And I remember I, I posted something on LinkedIn about employee research groups. As, as you know, I've written a book about it. Mm-hmm. And I was sharing about all of the, you know, the ways to get involved in them. And I remember someone writing back on my post saying, well, this is just so much more extra work for me. Oh. It's just, you know, uh, additional. And I really don't want to do this volunteer work. Uh, when I have other things to do, like my day job. And I remember thinking how short-sighted that was because the person didn't understand how you can reap the benefit of being a part of that community. You can you know, grow your own career. And yeah. I think a myth is that it's just a bottomless pit of volunteering. And mm. although it can be you know, a strain sometimes when 
it's not balanced or if you don't really see the benefit or connect it to your work, then it can be a disadvantage. However, if there's a way to leverage it and communicate with your manager and communicate um, with those around you, the value and the purpose and the benefits of it, I think it's just multifold what you can gain and what you can offer. Yeah. Yeah. Any other myths you run across? Like I know one of mine was, um, you know, I'm not that ethnicity or gender or orientation. So I can't join that group or similar to that. That's a good one. There's definitely talk about what is called allyship. So Mm -hmm. people who are allies or people who are not a part of that demographic group, but can still participate. And there absolutely is room for, for folks of all different backgrounds, even if you don't match that of that identity group. Um, we definitely need people of, of different backgrounds and, and, uh, experiences in the groups to be continual advocates and to help share in, uh, you know, the outreach of the different programs and events, but also to, to, you know, share their own efforts. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's an interesting advanced conversation when we talk about maybe a person who is of that identity, but they don't feel blank enough. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're adopted and you didn't grow up with a birth family that matches your identity. You grew up mm-hmm. with a different family and you see an ERG at work and you think, you know what, I'm not blank enough. Mm-hmm. It's it's really alarming to see that um, take place, but it's natural. It, it's, it's common. It's actually normal sometimes to feel that if we're, you know, processing our identity, our identity still. So my recommendation to ERGs is to be open and welcoming of all. Uh, We should uh, welcome people with open arms. And, you know, there's, again, a more, um, you know, complex conversation around how do we preserve space for people of that identity and make sure that they have room to share and, and, Mm -hmm. and be in community with each other. And then how do we engage allies? Yeah. Nice. Well, so along those lines, what about, um, uh, your advice for maybe starting for that listener or, or viewer out there that's like, this sounds really cool. We don't have one at our organization. What, how do I start? Where do I start? There are a few ways to start and it's, it's actually, um, something that is unique to each organization organization. So sometimes an organization may start the employee research groups because they're seeing this surge or this need. And that can be done through HR or through any uh, talent development department. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one way it happens. Another way it can happen is if you have a group of engaged individuals who collectively come together and say, hey, we would like to uh, advocate for this being at our organization. And if you have enough momentum around that, you might be able to begin that. Um, so where I would start is to make sure you have a collective, I like to say, of at least five to seven individuals of that group uh, or and or interested in, in starting that group. Um, sometimes the individuals who are leaders can be appointed or they can be uh, a part of a nomination process or an application process. It really depends on on the environment and the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, you'll want to first start off with a charter. So a mm-hmm. charter is a written document that indicates uh, what the purpose of the ERG is, uh, when it was founded, what are some of the core members, executive officers, for example, and then I like to also recommend there be term limits so mm-hmm. that there can be a rotation of leadership. And it doesn't have to get into the operating guidelines, which is a separate document. But the charter is sort of like 
you know, some of the commandments around uh, how it's founded. And and then that's a living document that continues on. So that's where I would start with that. But really coming back to uh, actually, there's a model in my book called the five P's Mm -hmm. where I talk about uh, the purpose of the ERG, the people involved, uh, the processes, uh, the priorities and planning. Mm. And if you can identify those five things, you know, which you can list off on your hand, then you're making a uh, great headway into how to plan for them. I like it. Well, so it really, it sounds like the first uh, step is to get a copy of your book. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I've, uh, I'm so glad you brought it up. I wrote it with ERG and HR and DEI leaders in mind mm-hmm. because there are a lot of great case studies and there's a lot of research out there. And there are models of companies who have been doing this for a long time. I, however, try to make the book really accessible. So it's an easy read. It it feels like someone talking to you. So it's very conversational. Mm-hmm. And it brings up uh, the points that a lot of us you know, tend to face when starting an ERG or actually developing them. So it's a, a, a reference book. It's also kind of um, a book that can take you through that journey. And as I mentioned, there are some models in there that could be useful for anyone starting the journey or continuing along their way. Yeah. So we'll put this in the, the show notes as well. But what is the best way that people can get a hold of that book? You can get the book at any local bookstore, also online. It's carried across the country in the United States at Barnes & Noble. Um, we also have it online at Amazon, of course. And uh, bookshop.org, I always recommend to uh, buy and support local bookstores. Hmm, nice. So now let's say someone, a, a listener of your has an employee resource group, their organization has it, maybe they're a part of it. What are maybe some of, I don't know, five best practices they can make sure or whatever number <laughs> they can make sure that they're following to be the best ERG that they can? <laughs> Great question. Firstly, one is to always have a feedback loop present around Mm. the employees. So you can get that input as to what their needs are or what their concerns are, even what their joys and their celebrations are. And I think that sometimes ERGs are... um, you know, so self-contained and, and independent, they go off into the sunset and then we don't hear from them until something is happening that um, may be overdue, right? Mm-hmm. So instead, we want to have that constant communication with the executive sponsors, with the HR leader or any other DEI lead and have those ERG leaders supported so that they have that um, constant communication. Uh, the second thing is to always come back to the goals and priorities It may seem like a basic thing, but what can happen is that employee research group leaders and members are so passionate about various causes and programs and even heritage months that we lose track of why uh, the Mm. ERG exists and to make sure that those goals are being met. So if, for example, it's uh, Black History Month and February comes around and, and there's a lot of activity the question is what can be done throughout the rest of the months mm. uh, to maintain that uh, engagement and to make sure that, you know, we're uplifting and supporting people from the black community and also engaging allies, for example. Um, and then thirdly, what I would say is I always recommend ERG leaders to um, have a pathway for growth, especially around communication and growing their network. 
And I feel that talent professionals and any uh, HR leader can really help bolster that growth and professional development in the ERG leaders and members by encouraging them with stretch goals, with the ability to have a platform to speak publicly, to interact with senior leaders and executives, and uh, to try to you know talk to people in a way that maybe they don't get a chance to in their day job. An example I can give is I was helping host a, um, an ERG summit in Texas, and we happened to have a guest speaker from Toyota there. Uh, I live in Southern California, and as you know, um, a lot of the operations moved to Texas. And so there was some of that at the time that was uh, happening. And there were people who moved to that area. Well, we had the senior leader from Toyota on the stage. And even though there was a variety of different people in the audience, a person who raised their hand happened to also be from Toyota. And he was you know, new and a younger professional. And I remember taking him to the side after and coaching him to say, um, are you going to contact that senior leader after today? Are you going to try to set up a lunch or set up a networking meeting? And he didn't even think about that. But yet he was an ERG leader doing so much work at the company. It would be great to foster that connection. So sometimes we need to work on and, and, and grow and nurture those skills. Yeah. And I think that ERGs are pr- the perfect place to play in the sandbox, as I call it, mm-hmm. of practicing those skills. Oh, I love it. Now, is there anything else you want our listeners or viewers to know about ERGs? Yes, ERGs are so dynamic that there is such a need to continue to work on um, you know, our best practices and how we operate. And as I mentioned earlier, there's no cookie cutter approach. It's yeah. so different and specific depending on where you are. Um, what I would say is that uh, in my, my research and, and all the work I've done with consulting, I've seen this. And one thing that I'm working on is uh, launching a platform and a lot of uh, resources to support ERG leaders and DEI and HR leaders. Um, so folks should stay tuned. I have a website that just launched. It's called ergdynamics.com mm. uh, because ERGs are so dynamic. That's the theme. I and we'll it. have a lot of resources there. So folks can, you know, jump in there and, and look around and, and learn as we go. Oh, I love it. Continued support. Nice. <laughs> so we are at that point uh, in the episode where we go into a rapid fire questions. So very short questions requiring, you know, short responses. <laughs> Are you ready? Absolutely. Let's okay. go. Okay. <laughs> All right. I love it. So what is one book everyone must read and why? In addition to yours, one- of course. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yes. I, I was going to recommend uh, actually the author and um, uh, thought leader, Adrian Marie Brown. Mm. And uh, they have a book called Emergent Strategy. You can see mine has a lot of sticky notes and, and <laughs> uh, gone through it quite a number of times. It really looks at how to center um, people and, and thinks about how you can uh, treat meetings and and planning and strategy in a different way. It, it, it incorporates the organic with uh, the how-to. Mm. And I think that's important during these changing times where there's a lot of uncertainty. So yeah. I recommend that book. I love it. I'm going to add it to my list. I haven't seen that one yet. Okay. What is one tool, and you can define that however you would like, that you can't live without? 
There is a tool that I use regularly. It's called the Intercultural Development Inventory or the IDI. Mm -hmm. And I use that when there's the need to look at cross-cultural collaboration. And so what I do is I help um, administer that. I'm a qualified administrator and then set up coaching sessions with HR and other leaders, senior leaders to really look at how we're navigating communication and behavior in a in an intercultural way. And it's something I learned about um, decades and decades ago. It's global. It's been validated and tested in and among different companies, organizations, and cultures and nations. Um, but um, some people know about it. Some people don't. So just wanted to mention that. It's something to look up if people are interested. Oh, nice. Okay. Final question. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? It it would it actually came forth when I was getting married. Um, hmm. So I've been together with my partner, my husband, for twenty years. Wow! And we got married seventeen years ago. I know it's been a long time. <laughs> uh, and I remember um, <clears throat> leading up to that uh, that there I I went to the to the University of Hawaii at Manoa. So I was in grad school at the time. And one of the Hawaiian local elders said to me that when you do something for someone else, don't do it because you have to Mm. do it because you have love for that person and you, you love to do it. And I feel like, although that of course was related to marriage and my relationship, I feel like it's life advice. Yeah. And I feel that, when we talk about employee research groups or talent development or organizations in general, sometimes we feel like we do things because we have to. Mm. And I want to kind of remove that obligation out of it. I think we can do it because we want to, we have love for the community. We have love for the people around us. And it's that care and, and, and connection that really uh, can take us forward. So that's the advice I I got that I want to pass on to everyone. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your wisdom today. Thank you so much, Christina, for having me and everyone for listening. Oh, yes, of course. We want to thank our community of listeners and viewers. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Do you need consultant services? The Metro DC chapter of ATD has many talented members. Go to dcatd.org and check out our consultants directory under the resources menu option. Follow the Metro DC chapter of ATD on LinkedIn today.